Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. This is one of those films that, uh, a happy surprise, you sit down to watch a movie, but uh, this is something special. The film is called Mine Nine, and it's a story of uh, a group of uh, coal miners uh, from Appalachia uh, who are uh, sent down into work in a mine that has a history of trouble. The leader of the group, uh, Zeke, has no problem expressing his concerns about going down into that mine, and the men head down there despite these warnings, uh, I mean, despite this admonishment from their leader to go down and work in the mine and I'll leave it at there at that because there's a lot to talk about in this film. And uh, we're lucky to have with us today the director of the film, Mine Nine. By the way, it will be screening at Cinequest in, uh, uh, coming up next Friday, March 8th. Uh, you can check it out. We'll get into that in a minute. But want to um, introduce to our audience the director of Mine Nine, and that would be Edward Minsor. Edward, welcome to film school. Thank you very much. I appreciate you all having me. Thank you. And I, by the way, please feel free to correct me if I my ham-fisted attempt to introduce the film uh, needs any corrections. If there's anything in there um, that uh, you would want to add or or clarify. Um. No, I would not. Uh, okay. <laughs> okay, we're good. The only thing that I would clarify is that the men are not necessarily happy to go back and work underground, but... Due to the depressed region where they live, yeah. they are forced to make the decision to go back down and work, to put food on the table and get your paycheck. Or if you don't go back down, you lose your job and you don't have food on the table for your family. Cause so the, that's... Uh, yeah, because that's, that's, that's it. That's it in at, at least this area of Appalachia. Uh, that and we've become very familiar. I think as uh, most people who are paying attention know that this is an, a part of the country that coal is king, and that this has been this way for probably a hundred and at least a hundred years, maybe a hundred and fifty years. Coal has been uh, the the industry in much of that part of the of uh, of America. So uh, that's one of the things that comes through in this film, Mine Nine, is this tradition, this sort of grizzled survive at all cost we're going to make it through we are we are tough determined people and that is in our in our dna and that's what you do a very effective job a very good job of establishing these characters their backstory their history their family history and and very early on in the film we 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 get a good sense of these people and their love of one another and their determination to protect one another comes through in the film as well. I'm going to back way up and ask you how you came to this story, um, how this came to you. Yeah, well, I'm originally from West Virginia, um, right in the heart of Appalachia and coal mine country. And, you know, just growing up in West Virginia... As you said, coal is king, and it's the reason all of us should be thankful we get to turn on our lights today. And so, like, it's just a 
very unrepresented area of the country. So, like, growing up, coal mine accidents happened, and they really would shake our community, our state. You know, it really brings everybody closer in a way when such tragedies happen, and they do happen. They've happened throughout time. So I always had that in the back of my head, you know, wow, like these people are very misrepresented. And then when you think of it from just a movie standpoint, I couldn't believe that nobody had ever made the movie of people being trapped two miles under the earth and their working conditions. You know, when you're working below the water table, when it rains, obviously water goes under the ground. And from the floor to the ceiling to the roof is only four foot tall. So you're working two miles under the earth, claustrophobic as can be, and you always have the issue of water coming in, yeah. and you're working in high methane areas. So to me, like, that's a heck of a thriller. And nobody had ever made that movie before. So that is uh, really where the inspiration came from. Now, in putting the cast for this film together, because... Boy, did they feel like they lived it, uh, that, that this was not some, you know, we didn't, we didn't call central casting on this one. It felt like the people you got involved uh, to be a part of this film are, are of, this, of this area, of this culture. But uh, I'd be curious uh, to, to hear from you about how, the, how you gathered together this cast. Um, none of them are from that area of the country. Harry Serpico was our lead, mm-hmm. and he's a New York-based actor, and he's sometimes in Charleston, South Carolina now. He's been in a lot of movies, TV. Um, Clint James is a New York-based actor. Kevin Sizemore is the only actor in the movie who plays Daniel, who's originally from West Virginia, but he's L.A.-based now. And then the remaining cast, Drew Starkey, Mark Ashworth, Aaron Burns, like the main cast, they're all Atlanta-based actors, and that's where I'm based now. But what we did, and it was quite important for me to put them in that world, so we got all the cast together about two months before we started filming, and I took them, we all drove together, and I took them to the coal mine where we were filming all of our plates and establishing shots, and let them meet all the real coal miners who we're, you know, basing this off of, and they got to go two miles under the earth, and they got to see and feel what that environment was like, and they got to talk and study um, from real coal miners who really, you know, they gave their heart to these actors to help put them there. Boy, I'll tell you, talk about method. That that's that's method right there. What you're talking about, these guys. So you took them two miles deep. I did. Yeah, oh we my two God. miles deep. They had to take a class to even be allowed to go underground. Oh. You know, a very serious occupation. So they got to just, you know, it was just quite important for them to actually get a grasp just how serious the occupation is. And then they got to meet all the miners and see the camaraderie between them and really see that, you know, these are third, fourth generation family of coal miners. Well, they nailed it, and they did a great job of of putting us in the the hearts and minds of these of these uh, coal miners and in their families. 
situation as well. While there isn't a tremendous amount of time outside of the mine in the film, I thought you did a really great job of essentially establishing who these people were and uh, throughout the film, uh, you know, throughout their sort of extended families and and their in this sense, they're you're going to do a much better job of explaining it than I am, but I, I, I've struggled to try to put in words that this kind of culture, this bond that they feel, is it the danger of the situation that they find them when they're working, they, they, this inherent danger that everyone knows and accepts to go down in that mind, and out of that to sort of forge this extraordinary bond among the people who of the region of their of the people who explain it for 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 me and for for our audience what is it that infuses these people with this sense of uh this bond that they share if we go back to the early 1900s when the industrial revolution happened that when steel came apart to go to the world wars that's when the railroad was built and that's when the coal industry hit west virginia appalachia So people from that region, like, they've always worked in these dangerous situations, but we've provided so much for the country, or they have. I'm not a coal miner by any means. Like, we feel that we've given so much. And so it is the danger, but it's also these men are working, and women are working 12 to 15 hours a day, seven days a week. So. As you hear some of the real miners in the end credits speak, yeah. you know, this is their family. They spend more time underground with each other than they get to with their wives, husbands, and children. So you can see the type of bond that coal miners form together. Yeah. And it's passed down from generation to generation. And, you know, really like they really do feel a sense of fear pride for what we have provided, what they have provided our country for many, many years. We'll remind our listeners that we're speaking with the director of the new film, Mine Nine, uh, and that would be Edward Mensor. And he, and the film is going to, is premiering, it, I don't know if it's a, uh, a world premiere, but it's going to be premiering at Cinequest Film Festival starting next Friday, I believe March 8th, is the first screening of the film. Are you going to be at uh, in San Jose for the for the screenings? We are, and it is our world premiere. Oh, uh, yeah, okay. myself and five other of the filmmakers will also be there. Terrific. Well, one of the extraordinary things about the film, and there are many of those extraordinary aspects to this film, is where you filmed this. Uh, I, I assume from. I mean, it certainly looks like you filmed inside a mine. Now, if you don't want to spoil the movie magic for our listeners, you don't have to. Res- you can tell me no, but uh, it felt so claustrophobic and so real. And there's so many sort of dangerous sequences in the film. I am dying to know how you were able to to weave this movie magic. So what we did pretty simple whenever you really think about it we went underground with a skeleton crew just dp um recorded some sound gaffer grip what we did is filmed real coal miners working those real pieces of equipment 
and filmed them from the back, the side, gotcha. all from locked plate position. And then we went back to Atlanta, Georgia, where we built our set. And what we did is we spent 11 months in various people's spare times and recreated the coal mine that we were at and then dressed our actors in the same wardrobe that those coal miners were wearing underground. Okay. And then anytime you see someone's face, um, it would be our actor. And what we would do is, like, we had a plate of a real coal miner working a roof boulder, a piece of equipment. Um, we would just take the real coal miner out and replace him with our actor. Gotcha. And then we had enough real footage of the, you know, the real machines operating and the real miners doing their job. And then this IE plugged in our actors where we needed to, to sell it. <laughs> I'm telling you, uh, this film, you know, I, I'm going to let our listeners know that when you're watching this film, there'll be a number of places in watching this where you think, well, this can't really get too much more intense. <laughs> we'll strap in because it does. It continues to... In very, in ways that serve the story, serve the storyline, telling the story, they you continue to kind of bring together this kind of realism and this, uh, this suspense, this intensity, that is extremely well done. And it, oh, thank you so much. It's a very powerful film, and uh, and again, this the humanity in the performances is absolutely terrific. There's a father-son relationship in the film there's the the foreman of the crew uh who is the sort of the harbinger of you know of truth in the in the film and speaks true speaking truth to power and then you have uh the the woman who is their foreman and, and sort of her her storyline and uh, all of it it really comes together beautifully in the film and um this must have been a real challenge you said 11 months of putting uh, of putting the set together, and I assume that also includes filming the actors on set as well, right? Or was it more? Yeah, than that? well, what we did. I was LA based and for a long time, and kept going in and out of production deals with this project. And then I just, my son was born; he was two months at the time, and I said to my wife that we need to go to LA, or excuse me, we need to go to Atlanta and make this film and let the tips fall where they may. So I found my production designer in an empty warehouse, and everybody was working other jobs. And over the course of 11 months, just in our spare time, um, and with the help of the IOTSI training program, we built a massive coal mine set. And it took us 11 months in our spare time. And as soon as that set was built, Hello. that's when we raised a little bit more money, and we said, cool, let's go into production. So. Right. I took all the time in the world we need to build the best set. Like, you know, like our budget lost... is what it, the budget is what it was. But uh we just wanted Edward, I, I have Edward? Yeah. I you know, I apologize. I just completely lost you for a few seconds, so I I I I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't know exactly ah. why that was. Again, I want to let our listeners know that the film My Nine will be opening at the Cinequest Film Festival coming up uh, next week. And um, 
I have one quick question for you, just uh, in the minute I have left with you. I'm sorry, I'll go back to where it's going to be screening. I apologize. But um, this, do you have a distributor for this film yet? We've had various distribution offers. Um, we have not accepted any of them. And as soon as Cinequest is over, starting in April, we are releasing theatrically on roughly 20 screens in 10 states. And I found a wonderful producer's rep by the name of Ryan Levy. Okay. And he has helped me really just get into these theaters so we can let the audience decide if the distribution company needs to uh, they need proof. put together a better proposal for Yeah. It. Well, I, I suspect your, the audience reaction is going to be extremely positive. It is. It is not a. I don't. I wouldn't take my kids to see the film. I'm not going to kid you in terms of it's. It's so intense, but nonetheless, it's so well done, and it's and it's such a professional. It looks like it looks like you spent a lot more money on it than you probably did. Uh, you did a great job here, and I just want to compliment you just in terms of your filmmaking acumen here. It's uh. It's something. To, it's something special. So, uh. I, Congratulations, uh, and once again, people can find out more about Mine 9 at mine9movie.com. And as I said earlier, it's screening at Cinequest uh, starting on March 8th, March 11th, as well as March 12th and 14th. So go to the, either to mine9movie.com uh, move, to find out more detail, or you can go to the Film School Radio uh website as well to find out all about the screenings and congratulations to you uh, Edward on on this film and I I hope you'll come back and join us for your next project absolutely I sincerely appreciate you guys having me on uh, my pleasure my my honor too well thank you again Edward Mansour the film is called mine nine movie I mean mine nine and you can go to mine nine movie.com to find out more thank you Edward take care man thank you You've been listening to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. You can find out more about the program at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next week with another edition of Film School Radio.